0: Welcome to Honest to God, a collection of honest, frank and fluff-free interviews with various Christian leaders from all sorts of settings around the world, with me, Mark Pease. Well hello and welcome to Tissues Out and Ready, the final episode of Series 1. Yes, Series 1 comes to an end uh, in this episode but please note this is just series 1 there will be more to follow but we'll talk more about what's coming next with series 2 and series 3 at the end of the podcast but we made it we started off 10 weeks ago talking to different people from different backgrounds just to learn from them and be helped encouraged and equipped and based on the feedback we've been getting from many people all around the world not just in the UK that is exactly what has been happening so Listen, thank you for taking this journey with us, uh, and I hope you're going to stick around for the next leg, but as I said, a little bit more about that later. So, without further ado, and well, that's a strange saying, isn't it, further ado? Anyway, without further ado, let's get into our final episode. Last but not least, I've had the privilege of talking to uh, Andrew Grimshaw, Pastor Andrew Grimshaw, a leader of Relentless Church in Manchester. Uh, A small but growing community church in a particular part of that city. And what I love about this interview is that in it, Andrew touches on so many different things and areas that I think are just so apt and helpful to us all when it comes to our own journeys of leadership. And he talks about them in a way that are so easy to listen to and so easy to identify with. And, you know, we talk about so much in this. We, we talk about the nature of calling and how to hold on to that calling and walking it out. We talk about the pressures that ministry places upon family. We talk about many of the different practical challenges that come with leadership. And and also, we, we even get into something that not many dare to talk about, really, the vulnerability and the loneliness that comes with pastoring. I mean, guys, this is a really helpful interview. I also love the fact that he's just a normal guy. He's certainly no church celebrity. He's not the, you know, in quotes, big name. He's just somebody who loves God, wants to help others. And as you'll hear, he's absolutely passionate about it and 100% all in. And finally, I suppose the other thing I love about this interview, um, and what I love about this guy and more importantly, this couple, is that they didn't get into pastoring until they were in a later season in life. They they started to pastor in their early 50s. And now here they are a decade on in this early 60s, having got into this late in the eyes of many. Um, but I believe it's that fact that has helped them in how they've processed some of the things that have happened to them on this journey. And listen, it it's it's a great perspective that they have. So anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get into this. And honestly it's one of my favorite ones of the whole series. Did I ever tell you the one about the guy who is always all in? All right, well, here we are. We are in the front room of uh, Andrew Grimshaw. Uh, It's good to finally be able to do this interview. Yeah, looking forward to this, Mark. Yeah, let's see if you're saying that at the end of it. Or, you know, that's (laughs) that's the interesting one. All right, so listen, we're going to go through some different things, but let's start from the beginning. So why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about... You know, who you are, introduce yep. yourself, a bit of background and go for it.
1: Okay, uh, yeah, as you've rightly said, uh, I'm at Andrew Grimshaw. I'm actually 61 years old at the moment. And, uh, 61 60 going on, on uh, no. 21. Yeah, been married for 42 years mm-hmm. to Alison. Mm-hmm. Uh, got three children all grown up, five yep. grandsons still waiting for a granddaughter to appear. Uh, but we're fostering children as well, so we've always got young children in the house. So how long have you been fostering? Uh, three years now, uh-huh. yeah, quite a few children. Yeah, enjoy it. Loving it. It's got its challenges, but uh-huh. everything else does, I suppose, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, we do enjoy it. So, pastoring,
0: husband, obviously this is not in the right kind of order, right. but, but husband,
1: pastoring, a, uh, a father. Yeah, and I'm a podiatrist, and so I'm still earning some money being a podiatrist. Okay. Uh, the intention was to a fully retired Uh But fine, I still need to earn a bit of money. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the real world. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. All right. So um, that's a little bit about you. Uh,
0: Give us all a bit of an overview of your your journey. I mean, obviously, I've known you. I've said earlier on in the the podcast, known you for 30 years, known your family for, uh, uh, you know, all that time. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously the guys listening maybe don't know you. So just explain a little bit about your journey got born again, yep. how you got into different
1: things, and yeah, okay. free. Okay. Um, always been brought up in church. I, mm. I went to church from being probably two weeks old uh, and have gone regularly since. Mum uh-huh. and Dad took us to the local Baptist church, which is where they were um, brought up. I think now looking back, I would say I've always known there would be a time when I I didn't know how to verbalise it, but became a Christian. Uh Uh, But I rebelled for as long as I I felt I was able to. And I was 17 when I eventually gave my life. Um, We were part of a large youth club, and about 50 of us, 50 teenagers, got saved in in a two-year period. Mm. Uh, Alison being one of them, she she made that decision before me, and I held out a little bit. Childhood sweethearts. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were married very young, yeah. Um, So, 17, but I I have the conscious recognition, um, remembrance of being in my pastor's front room, him challenging me to make a decision and me thinking, I'm either going to do this and do it 100% Mm -hmm. or not do it at all. Mm -hmm. And I think really that's how I've been all my Christian life. There's no point in doing this if I'm not going to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. So I've always been that sort of Christian that wants to be involved Uh, wants to know God more, wants to be involved with church and with the people. Um, So we grew up, uh, we we got saved and for the first two or three years we were in the Baptist church. Then we moved on to what was said to be a more spirit-led church uh, and stayed there for 22 years, I believe it was. Where? Yeah. And is that where our paths crossed? That's yeah right. Yeah, yeah you came okay. up to Leeds in was it eighty yeah, four? Yeah, yeah. Um, met your dad, mum and dad probably yeah. the first week that they came up, and uh, uh-huh. and you still talk to us. We still talk to you. Yeah, no longer babysitting. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it>? oh, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got involved. Both of us. We we led house groups. Uh, we, we took care of the teenagers. And I think along our journey, we've always been the kind of people who were always happy to be in the background. Mm. We wanted to be supporting other people. So we did the catering, we did the stewarding, we we, we did all the preparation, we cleaned the building. That's the kind of people we were. Um, But somewhere along the line, we had an understanding that God did have other things in place. Star for us mm. um, that took quite a lot, a long time to come out um, but for all of those years we just got stuck into it 100% mm. as, as I've already mentioned and I've got to say and I
0: don't want to rush ahead or or get ahead of myself but obviously from what I've known and what I've seen of you um, in the years that you've been pastoring and we'll get on to that um, that person that you described just a few seconds ago about just always being all in and you know even taking care of buildings and, and being a very hands-on um i think that's one of the things i yeah. really appreciate about your leadership is that you're very much a leader who does yeah and uh and that's a good thing yeah so you started to get into kind of lead i'm guessing that's kind of res- uh, responsibilities in church you know did, how did that kind of start to open up in terms of what what kind of things where you started to realize maybe oh yeah um um, I'm enjoying this or maybe I'm called to do this in terms of looking after God's people and leadership and how did that all start to
1: transpire? Uh, well, I think if we go back into the 80s, the, the church that we were part of, that, uh, where we grew up as Christians really, we received so much uh, uh, teaching, but leadership was definitely considered a promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being the kind of ambitious person that I am I wanted that promotion mm-hmm. so I I probably looked at getting into leadership in the wrong sort of way to be honest um but in saying that we led house groups and mm-hmm. we 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 did very very well uh, we 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 do and always have had a passion for being with people we're interested in people uh we want to see other people succeed Mm. Uh, So leading the house group was was a a good way of us being able to do that. We can now look back, uh, obviously Alison and I weren't together when we were seven years old, but we can look back and both say that we felt some kind of call when we were seven years old. Mm. Both more or less at the same stage. Uh, and we grew up really believing that uh, God wanted us to be missionaries out on the mission field. Um, as a result of that, Alison decided to become a midwife. So she, yeah. she went to university and, and trained as a midwife. Uh, and I went to university and trained as a podiatrist, mm-hmm. believing that ha- both having medical um, qualifications would allow us to get into countries that were blocked to traditional Christian yeah. min- uh, missionaries. Um, as things went along, we, we that turned out well. Sorry, that turned out well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's the reason. As things progressed, mm. we wanted to pursue that, so we made appointments to see some significant Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people were were significant church leaders. Some were missionaries out on the mission field, leading big works. And we made appointments to go see them to express that we are called, mm. uh, how are you going to use us? And not one person wanted to use us <laughs> in wow. any way. Uh, we came back feeling quite disillusioned really. So did you just get rejections or no's or was there uh, any feedback we, or? we, yeah, we got a couple of rejections and we got a couple of we'll call you type uh, of oh, responses. Yes. Your uh, assistant system will file your details. Yeah. <laughs> But I suppose that does go back to me saying that I considered leadership a promotion uh, and I was probably coming at things from a a more of a selfish Mm. point of view. Um, But around about that time, uh, we again felt it was time for us to, to move on and we became part of a different church where we were receiving a completely different kind Mm -hmm. of teaching, where I understood the Bible in a way that I've Mm -hmm. never understood it before. Mm -hmm. Everything became much more personal, a personal relationship. um, And attitudes, as a response of that, attitudes started to change in both Alison and myself. And we started to see things in a completely different light. And what we decided to do... Alice and I both spoke about this quite a lot. We decided that yeah, there is a call on yeah. our life in some way, but we're gonna we're gonna lay that lay it down our, our own personal ambition to support somebody else and su- su- support the the work that um, our pastor was doing. In the knowledge that if we gave our best to to him, God would then bring promotion at the right time. that, mm-hmm. that he would lead us into the area that he wanted us to go so we did that again we we, we gave ourselves 100% to somebody else's call Great. let me ask something because it's something that comes up quite a
0: lot when you talk with different people I'm sure you've had it you know with people that you've talked to over the years this whole thing about call yes you know you said we laid down yeah this call that we yeah. felt that we had um what was that or what did that look like or feel like because a lot of people i think struggle with this whole yeah. concept of am i called i don't feel called yeah. or i feel
1: called. but you know what does that look like yeah uh, that's a picture that's still unfolding to begin is because to, to be honest because i am still trying to understand my call although my understanding of it is so much more clear than it was Mm-hmm. I think when I was seven or eight years old, it, it was just a desire to do something for somebody else in the knowledge that there is a God and that he wanted me to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think um, that call developed and I would never say it was a dramatic event That it was a a light in the sky event or it was an audible voice event. It was just a deepening understanding that God had a plan for my life. Um, And I do believe and I do preach and teach now that each and every one of us has a call on our life. Mm. I don't think a call is just for those special gifted uh, pastors in the pulpit. Mm. We are all called Mm. To serve him. Uh, So that's why I would say that my understanding of calling is developing. Mm. The more I get involved with what I'm doing presently, the more I see that Mm. it is that I am where God wants me to be. Uh, And there is a a, a satisfaction and even a peace that comes from knowing that you're doing what God has planned for you. Mm. Um, The first verse that Alice and I learnt together was Jeremiah twenty nine mm-hmm. verse eleven? For I know the plans yeah. I have for you, and I understand that God has a plan for my life and for everybody's life, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a case of um, God directing your steps, trusting in Him completely, and even though sometimes we mm-hmm. try to veer down mm-hmm. the wrong uh, direction, He brings you back mm-hmm. if you if you you've got that desire to trust him first. I love that um,
0: you talked about the call um, not being this big event type thing, but actually a a growing understanding. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So have there been any struggles with that where you've struggled to get to grips with your call or you've talked about your understanding developing as you go, um, whether you felt up to it, you know, whether there was a, a, I don't know, a clash between what you felt, but also on the other
1: hand, who yeah. you were
0: and your capabilities, you know, talk a little bit well, about right.
1: that. well I could talk a lot about that. I suppose <laughs> the, there's always, always has been challenges, Um but one of the things that I come back to constantly, and I know this might sound a little bit super spiritual, but I used to pray regularly with your dad, mm. uh, we used to meet once or twice a week early yep. in the morning to pray and there was one morning that we were praying together where I had a, a clear understanding again not a voice uh, just a, a sense within myself that God was saying I've called you to be a, a, a Moses to lead people out of captivity but also a Joshua to lead them into the promised land mm-hmm. so as we've had challenges throughout the years I've been able to go back to that and say, but this is what God has called me to. Now, now again, h- how that all plays out and my understanding of that has developed over the years. But as we've met challenges, I've been able to go back to that and to the verse that I've mentioned, mm-hmm. Jeremiah 29 11, uh-huh. um that God has a plan for us. But yeah, the challenges have been many. Um yeah. Right, where do we start with that? Well,
0: before we get into the challenges, yeah. let's talk about the. Um, and if we're being honest, you know, the whole point of this podcast is is to really help people with the challenges that we all go through to yeah. try and be an encouragement or support or in whatever way. But before we get into that, let's let's at least do us all ourselves a favor and let's talk about some of the things that we enjoy, um, or the successes, or the highs. Uh, or before uh, we get into the pastoring, laws. Oh. pastoring. Yeah, you know what. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm a big sports fan. I'm a big Leeds United and, fan, and my favourite player was a guy called David Batty. But he is synonymous, famous, for being one of these athletes who actually did not enjoy football. He was just good at it, right? Uh, and so now, subsequently, he's left the game. Um, has nothing to do with the game. Nobody knows where he is. Okay. And and it's it's interesting. Sometimes you come across people who maybe they lose their passion for it or their their um, their desire. Uh, like you talked about, just wanting to do people good and all that kind of thing. But because they're good at it, um, you know, they continue to do it. So um, let's talk about the things that, I mean, do you still enjoy it all these years on? And what do you enjoy
1: about it? I think I enjoy it far more now Uh because I'm older and maturer, I think. And Uh uh, I enjoy it more now than I used to do. I'm more relaxed in my role as being a pastor. Mm. Uh, And some of the challenges have now faded okay. they're not as um, as strong um, but yeah I I, I I do enjoy being the pastor of a church mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed as I've said taking care of people mm-hmm. Alison bless her she, she, she is a mother to, to the church mm-hmm. and she mothers people uh, but I I like to encourage people to go for it themselves uh, to, to get the best out of their walk with God, uh, and what I've also discovered. For someone who has always wanted to be in the background, making things happen for somebody else, what I have discovered is that I'm increasingly enjoying the preaching and teaching aspect mm. of being a pastor. I never thought I would have done. My dad, my brother, my sister—they're all up front uh, actors and speakers. Whereas I never was that kind of person. Uh But I find now that I I come to life when I can start to communicate my passion to other people. Uh Uh, And I I, I definitely, I do enjoy that, which I never thought I would do. Uh Good. (laughs) Let's talk about challenges then. Challenges, right.
0: Becoming a pastor. Or do you have no challenges? Oh. You said earlier, all the challenges are subsiding. No, no, no. no. Are you know, on Easy Street? No,
1: if so, write that book. Tell us all how to get D- there. Different challenges appear from time to time, don't they? <laughs> but uh, becoming a pastor, um, I think, as I mentioned, we, we laid down our life for uh, the guy that was uh, my pastor at the time. And we did and went wherever he told us to do, to go. Um One day, we got a phone call from yourself saying, will you come into the office? I want to have a chat with you. Uh, I hope I was a bit more polite than that. I Uh, think that's probably pretty much (laughs) it. So we went in thinking something is going on. We'd been involved with the church in Manchester for five years. We'd initially gone for a six-week period to help establish that church and to support the pastors of it, and we ended up staying there for five years. Um, but our role within that was increasing and growing, and we were getting more and more involved in the leadership. So then when you uh, called us to, to bring us in, we had an inkling that you were going to be asking us to, to pastor in some way. Uh, so we'd had a conversation, and me being the ambitious one, I was wanting to go for it. Alison was a bit more um, reticent and was wanting to think about it much more. Uh, but we came in thinking that you were going to ask us to pastor the church in Manchester. Um, well, you were. we were writing as much that you were asking us to to pastor, but you were sending us, all, uh, our pastor was sending us down to Cardiff, which was 200 miles away from where we live. We had the challenge at the time that mum and dad were living with us, my elderly mum and dad were living with us. Um, so it was a lot to consider, mm-hmm. giving up jobs, businesses, taking mum and dad down to Cardiff. That was a lot to consider, but I thought I could do this. You know, We could make this work in some way. Um, just explain, just yeah. for the listeners, um,
0: just explain a normal week because um, that's something that struck me all that time, you know, week in, week out, what your week would look like because you, you were still living in the north of yeah. England well, and the church that you pastored was 200 miles away.
1: Our, our plan was for the four of us to move down to Cardiff. With your parents? With, yeah, yeah, me and Alice and my, my mum and dad. That was our plan. We looked at a few houses but within a few weeks, um, mum and dad had... Their health had deteriorated and we decided it just wasn't right or fair Mm -hmm. to move them 200 miles and we made that commitment that we would commute from Leeds to Cardiff uh, and it turned out to be twice a week to begin with. So that was on some occasions a six hour journey there. Preach for an hour and a six hour hour journey back. so at some stage, probably two years into leading that church, we decided we couldn't continue doing that. Mum and Dad, were, 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 um, their health was continuing to fail, but we decided <laughs> we bought a caravan. Uh, and Alice and I lived in a caravan for three days of the week down in Cardiff. And then we came back up here and looked after Mum and Dad for the rest of the week. Um, that sort of worked. Um, but I, I suppose the church people they didn't really understand why we weren't fully committing to them and moving mm. down to Cardiff. So you talked about challenges. Not not only was the distance a challenge for us, but trying to bring a church together and pastor a church and be the leader of a church when they were still struggling to to think has this guy actually committed to us. Mm. Um, we ended up staying there five years. Uh, And, you know, in in all of that time, I think we managed to convince them that we were committed to them. Uh, That's incredible, isn't it? Because on the one hand,
0: any, um, when you look at it objectively, you look at all the things that you were doing. So the the amount of distance that you were covering um, week in, week out, being as available as you could. You know, in many ways that demonstrates your commitment. But there's something about it. It's a pressure that I think a lot of pastors face where for the congregation for the for the church family they filter it through their own eyes yes so for them the fact that maybe you weren't there um was was all that they could see yeah and actually what you were laying down to be there when you could um almost didn't factor and that that must have brought some kind of well a you must have had some very interesting conversations but but that brings a pressure
1: doesn't it yeah we we had a lot of interesting conversations um yeah, you know, at the time I became a pastor, I I, I owned a business. I employed nine people, uh, and you know, travelling down to Cardiff uh, twice a week or living down there for three days a week uh, cost us quite a lot of money. Um, but I think it was that aspect. I think it was the aspect that the church could see we were caring for mum and dad, uh, not just putting them into a home. I think that they could see that we were fine. It was costing us. Money in order to pastor the church in Cardiff mm. helped persuade them that, uh, yeah, that we were serious about it. So we saw the church grow, we saw mm. it develop. We lost some people as a result mm. of us not committing to, to living down there. They wanted to be in a traditional church with a traditional pastor that mm. lived in, in, you know, the vicarage, as it were, uh-huh. uh, and somebody that, that would come around and have tea and cakes with them from time to time. Do you not mm. like cake? <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't do cake very often <laughs> uh, so yeah so let's let's let's
0: pause there yeah um so that was the whole um cardiff south wales mm-hmm. a lot of traveling almost like pastoring at a distance but doing all that you could to be there um you said the church grew and it did because i knew i saw yeah. it grow um But you also said that some people left. So really, before we get on to the whole, you know, what came next in your journey and, you know, getting up to Manchester, which is where you currently are and still are. um, Just talk a little bit about how you handle, because I think this is a biggie for a lot of leaders, not just in ministry, but in any walk of life. Um, What happens in you or how do you feel? How do you respond when people leave? Uh, there are some people who can be very objective yeah. about it, and all those things. I, I kind of struggle with that because I don't care who you are. There's 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 that element of humanity in all of us where yeah. the churches that we lead, the families that we're putting together, they basically become us. They're a reflection of who we are. Yeah. So, talk a little bit
1: about about okay. that.
0: How do you how do you guys handle that?
1: Yeah. Um, again, that that there were some difficult periods there. I think what you have to remember is that uh, although I've talked about a call Mm. Um, we'd specifically agreed to pass the church because we'd been asked to do by Mm. our church leader Um, so therefore when we were investing ourselves into people uh, in Cardiff and they got up and left as a result we took that very personally we Mm. hadn't a full understanding that God had called us so there Mm. wasn't the security that no matter what happens we are we we are where we're supposed to be we were, We had been sent by a man, so we thought that we weren't doing a good enough job mm. when people left that people didn't like us, that we'd neglected them in some way uh and that that was all a hard thing for us to deal with um and I suppose I can also say that we were pretty much sent to Cardiff and, and, and left pretty much on our own, with no training, no backup, no, no resources. Uh, so when things didn't work out in the way that I, we felt that they should do, and of course what we were hoping for was to lead the world's biggest church, because surely that's what we <laughs> pastors are supposed to do. That's, that's what, what success looks yeah, like, in inverted, inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when people were leaving we found that very very hard Mm -hmm. Uh, and we took over a small church we saw it develop and grow but then we saw some of our key members just get up and leave Mm -hmm. Uh, and as off so often happens they don't even tell you that they're leaving We, we had one person who was very much part of the leadership team um and then whilst we were on holiday um just left the church when we came back we found out that they'd become a pastor of another church Mm. Uh, and we thought well wow (laughs) what have we done wrong yeah so it can be difficult so how how did you how did you and alison
0: handle that i mean what what goes through your mind how did you how did you respond to
1: that you know because they're tough things very much part going back to the fact that whatever we do we do 100% we've been sent somewhere therefore we were not going to quit Mm -hmm. where we find it very difficult to quit and to give up Uh, we want to continue and to pursue so we looked for ways in which we could do that Um, I think one of the things that I have learned and this possibly will come up later on as well is that for any pastor or this is what I'm thinking certainly for me it is so easy to spend so much time in the word preparing to preach to somebody else that you don't keep yourself fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's through those 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 times when people were leaving or people were critical or not turning up to services or events, uh, it was at those times that I had to realize that I still have to develop my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. There's no good me pastoring a church if I have no relationship with God and I think there's a big difference between studying in order to preach and studying the word in order to be fed yourself so I, we, we started to feed ourselves you know I I, I I used to go when we were in the caravan I used to walk around the lake just praying and reading my bible and just chatting to God and singing and it, it was times like that that helped us through the the, the more difficult times of which even though we would say we were leading a sort of successful church, the challenges and the difficulties were many. Mm. Not just the travelling, not just mum and dad, but within the church, it was, it was, um, you know, one faction against another faction. It was um, one doctrine against somebody else's understanding of different doctrines. And one nationality against another nationality. Exactly. Yeah. yeah there, there was there was groups and there was parties and there was factions. And it was trying to bring all of that together and explain that, but we are the church uh, and the church has got to be different from the way that it is outside. But all of that came through maintaining a personal walk, personal walk with God. Mm. I think I would have gone under if I hadn't have realised that my walk with God, my relationship with God was slipping mm. uh, and therefore I, I did things to to rectify that
0: mm. that's good it's amazing isn't it how and again this is where this podcast was born uh, or what it was born out of was you know the amount of people in ministry called into ministry good people who because of experience and because of how it has turned out for them you know have either walked away have given up on it some of them have given up on their faith um, you know some of them and maybe some people listening now they just feel trapped Um, I'm sure many can identify with your journey because that's where they're going in their own journey. And, you know, not everybody is... um, It sounds so clinical, doesn't it, when we say, look, I was going through this, I was feeling this, so I knew I had to make sure that I was in the right place. Yeah, Yeah. But when you're out there, I suppose, at the cold face and and in the midst of it, um, it's easier said than done. And um, But I just want to reiterate that thing about... For all of us as leaders, it's the vibrancy of our own walk with God. Uh, particularly when you're used to giving out, and that's what we are yes, as leaders—we're right. always giving out. It is so possible for that well to run dry, and I think that's yeah. that's behind um, a lot of people's struggle. Yeah, they love God, but they're just dry. And yeah. the reason that they're dry is life experience. You know, people left them hurt, disappointment. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of people can empathise as i throw my pen across the room and understand i think that's really helpful i
1: I think that's that's a good way of putting it mark that you are left dry Mm. life in general i suppose without relationship with god leading a church can suck the life out of you Mm. um and it does leave you feeling very dry brittle Mm. um so uh, yeah, it, w- I have to maintain that walk with God. And it's exactly the same, how many years on now, mm. that you know, I'm very conscious that I have to maintain my personal walk with God. Mm. Otherwise it just becomes a job. Mm. Uh, and I would never want pastoring a church to be only a, a job. job for me. Mm. Uh, there are some aspects where it has to be treated mm. as a profession, but it's got to be more than that for me. Um, mm. Uh, I'm called to, to look after God's people. Um, and I can only do that effectively mm-hmm. if I'm being fed myself. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, as we start to kind of,
0: this was a 400-meter running track. We'd now be at the Usain but We'd be coming around the final bend.
1: All right, okay.
0: Start. Just talk to me a little bit about, because we kind of paused, went off on a tangent with um, you in Cardiff, and then we talked about some of the personal challenges that came from that you then ended up from going to Cardiff uh back to Manchester the church that you said that you were there really serving the leadership and just helping the church family there for five years as a support uh but then you find yourself back there Andrew and Alison as pastoring that church
1: family just talk a little bit about how you got there and how I got there was and don't say by the M62 and uh... (laughs) Uh, after five years in Cardiff uh it was clearly the right time to come back and we, we were asked to come back uh, to the Bradford Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd only been, have I got the timings right? We'd probably only been back for about three months and uh, we were sent back out to, to Manchester. Mm-hmm. So if you remember we, we'd been in the Manchester Church for five years, mm-hmm. um, gone away, and now we've come back as the pastors of the church of people that we knew as friends and worked side by side with. Um, there were one or two people at that time who found it difficult to accept us as pastors. Um, Why? Why is that? Different? Why? Just because I think we had a personal relationship. And I, I don't know. I, again, this is mm-hmm. something that I'm now re looking at, really what is the role of a pastor in the church and what is his standing within the church mm. and i think there is a tendency sometimes to when when somebody doesn't accept you as the pastor to have that attitude of don't they know who i am mm. um, but when you look at it more more closely uh, we are co-workers we are I, I, I think I, I feel quite strongly now uh, that my role as a pastor in a church is to equip the 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 members of the church, the congregation, to go about and do the work of the ministry. So I'm, I'm not there to be the boss. Mm. I am there to lead, but I'm not there to be a, to the boss, to, mm. to dictate, to be authoritative. I'm there to, to equip them, to give them the ammunition, the equipment they need to live their life to to their best so that they can achieve all that God has called them to be. So I'm I'm pretty pretty much see myself uh, as a servant really, um, that I'm there to serve them. When we first came back to Manchester, I was still having that attitude. As I guess that you know, here I am. <laughs> I am the saviour of this church. I'm here to lead <laughs> you forward. Uh, uh let's have a bit of order, yes, yeah, um, but praise God, you know I'm a work in progress, mm-hmm. but there is some still some progress going on, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this has been a a, a learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's ever one hundred percent a qualified, equipped, and successful pastor of a church. It's something that we all have to learn how to do and to grow into. Uh, so am I'm now 10 years on, I, I'm, I've come to the stage, I think, where I, I recognise that I've learnt some things, but there's still some things to learn. Uh-huh. There's still some things that are a challenge to me, still some things that scare me. Can I ask you, and obviously I don't want to... Yeah.
0: What, if you were to say, okay, even if it's just one thing that I'm working on, which is a challenge to me, as a pastor of... Ten years plus, and and yeah. and, and leading um, for for longer than that in different settings, you know, what what would one of those challenges mm. be?
1: That is a very good question. What would that? What would be the number one challenge that I want to tell you? And I still think that the challenge for me is still that oh, it goes back to. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God has got a call on my life. He's got a call on everybody else's life. But it frustrates me. So here's a challenge. That I, it frustrates me that some people just still want to be church attenders uh, and not disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find it relatively easy to give 100% commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have that frustration within me that I, I don't know i just want to sometimes shake people and say come on mm. you know let's get this done yeah you know let, let's shape, let's shape up and yeah. uh, and really make a difference in the world I I, I I do believe that the church of god should be the most powerful force on the face of the planet mm. but so often we're such a weak insipid group mm. of people because some people just don't want to be they disciples, they yeah. don't want to commit
0: one hundred percent. That's interesting. And just so you don't think, um, just for transparency and for everybody out there, you know, if, if somebody was asking me that question about my challenge, I would say the the challenge that I face at the moment, um, or I, historically, I'm learning, is how to um, protect and prioritize my family. Yes. In the light of. In quote a call yes and you know I look back at my journey and I I look back and I think there are times when you know for the the right reason or the time or being sincere um you know I thought I was doing the right thing and I was sacrificing and I was laying down but actually the people who paid the biggest price was my family right and so I feel like I'm starting to discover in this season that we find ourselves in what it is to really not just say your family is your primary church but to um Start to learn to live that out. Yeah. Where there are times when you know the the phone doesn't have to be picked up. You know the computer can be put off and put Sorry, away. Sorry, what was
1: that? The phone doesn't have to be picked up. No, the phone doesn't have to be picked up. <laughs> as you'll know when you call Dang. me and all that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> and um, and I just throw that in the mix for you know for all of us. Everybody that I'm speaking to um, has challenges. And and for the guys out there listening, I, I don't want them to feel like you know it's okay to admit and face up to the challenges. Yeah. it's when you admit them then you can start to face up to them and do something about it I wouldn't want people to feel like you know here they are 20 years in and it's still the same challenges because that's when families fall apart yeah. and that's when marriages fall down and and uh, so we all
1: have them well I think you've raised a good point there that um, you know we've, we've got to a stage in life where we're um, I suppose many people would be thinking about retirement Alison as a midwife has semi-retired well she officially retired but she's gone back uh, and she's got to the stage where in many ways she's wanting to slow down mm-hmm. um i have not got to that stage yet and i'm still wanting to give at least another 10 years i see a big future and i can see all sorts of things going on but i've also as mm-hmm. you rightly mentioned i've got to make sure that um i take care of Alison. Mm-hmm. so and you do that so well by the way Oh, well, that's, thank you very much. Thank you. I mean, Alison is passionate about the grandchildren and the foster children. Mm-hmm. And there is just sometimes when I have to say to Alison, look, you don't need to come along on Sunday. You've got to look after the children. Uh, or, you know, yeah, with absolutely. the foster children, there's often challenges and mm-hmm. they need us. Um, and I think, again, I've had to learn that, mm-hmm. that um, there's... Because I need to care for Alison's well-being, Mm. there are some times when she doesn't need to be around Mm. and I can just go off by myself. Mm. Um, If I I hope this
0: podcast can achieve anything, it's two things. Firstly, like I've said many times before, that people may find this an encouragement and a support um, in their own journeys. But secondly, I really want to be able to do away with the facade that I think is out there certainly on social media certainly the perceptions that people have about their leaders about pastors about ministers yeah. vicars bishops yeah. whatever you want to call them overseers archbishops whatever um, this pressure that I think is put on and that we feel and that we face that everything has to be sorted out and we have to be perfect so therefore we feel like we have to put across this particular okay. picture and um, I want to kind of strip away and I feel that we have done with some of the things that we've talked about today where we kind of get behind the surface and realize that we're just human beings who love God just like everybody else does who professes Jesus Christ and that it's okay to have bad days and it's okay so rather than those bad days now defining us you know is there other people that we can learn from that will help us to handle those challenges and so um I'm glad that you talked about those challenges and you you put them out there. Not just the challenges that you've mentioned now, but actually your journey from Yorkshire to Cardiff, you know, we never really got into Manchester and and maybe time's not going to allow us, but we just got to you getting back there. All the challenges that come with that, I hope people start to feel and realise, if they're not pastors, that actually there's a big price that our leaders pay, that pastors pay, that vicars pay. Yes. And sometimes that's not really given any... You know, we're very people are very objective. I agree with them on this, and I don't agree with them yeah, on that. Yeah. So therefore, I'm going to leave. I hope people start to realise that whether you agree or not, the pastors, the leaders, the bishops, they go home at the end of the day. They go home after Sunday, and they have to emotionally deal with and process all that stuff that is played out in quotes church. Yes, okay, and um, I'm quite excited about discovering people's journeys. Anyway, okay, I probably just rambled on there a little bit, and, and, but I don't know what you think
1: about that. No, I think that's. I think it is good. Um, it's been good for me to talk to you uh, right now because uh, there is a pressure on us as leaders to put on a front, and I suppose one of my strengths, possibly a, a, equally one of my weaknesses, that. I don't want to play the game of being the pastor in the pulpit. Mm. I am pretty much Andrew Grimshaw when I'm up there. There is sometimes a tendency, and I've fallen into that trap, to try to be somebody else. Um, But I think I'm most effective when I am just me. Mm. Uh, And I think sometimes people do appreciate the fact that the guy up at the front is being entirely honest with them and not making things up and not trying to make out that their life. See, sometimes being a pastor is like all those Facebook accounts that you see, that everybody has a perfect life. They have the perfect wife, the perfect children, they eat the best food. <laughs> uh, they, they get every qualification they go for. You just see all of these little highlights and sometimes the pressure on the pastor is to be that perfect person. Mm. Um, and what they don't
0: realise is that most of the time those people are making it up. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just show, not showing the... Yeah. You know, the, the the <laughs>
1: photographs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I think it is good to be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the points that I've, I've expressed on countless occasions at Cardiff and Manchester... And Alison and I talk about it often. And I think it's one of the reasons why I've always wanted Alison to come to church, even though there was times when she should stay back, is that, here again, another one of the challenges. Church for a pastor can be a very lonely place at times. Mm. Uh, um, When Alison's not by my side, I can feel quite lonely at times. Mm. When you've finished preaching, you've done the best you can do, you've either preached the best sermon ever or you know that it's a bit of a duffer. You get down off off the platform and everybody just goes away and talks to themselves and you're left there thinking, what on earth do I do now? Uh, And you have to force yourself to go and talk to somebody because you know that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, So that is something that God's still working on me, really. I I do at times find church a lonely place. It's the vulnerability of
0: leadership isn't it that's suppose so yeah. and I think people respond to that in different ways. Some people respond to that and they so they become the aloof leader because they can't handle the feedback and you know they don't they don't want to a bit like with Moses and the veil right you know they they, they, they want to keep their public side and their personal side yes. separate yes um and that's that's where it can be quite a lonely
1: mm-hmm. a
0: lonely place. Um, some people go to the other stream and they're all out there and they'll give everybody a lift home and listen there's a time and place for all of that but sometimes it's to make up um, I I don't feel I preach very well today so let me pour this tea or let me Uh, buy this coffee and and you find people in in either camp but I think the underlying point is this it's a vulnerable place to be Mm -hmm. Uh, a a guy once told me um, and this was when I was just setting out um, he said always do your best to retain the heart of a baby but at the same time develop the skin of a rhinoceros
1: wow yeah in in other words yeah
0: and i haven't i haven't got there yet you know i'm 20 years into this thing i I haven't got there Ah. yet because there are still things that hurt me and move me and and things that maybe really shouldn't do after all this time but i absolutely that's a great point to make the vulnerability yes of leadership i'm I'm glad you raised that listen our time's just about gone I, i just want to ask you one more thing yeah um if you were to give anybody out there listening in leadership, either so, uh, starting out or they've been doing it a long time, if there was one piece of advice that you were going to give them, and I know you've alluded to different things that we've gone, yeah. so it might be that again, or or, or or something else, or a bit of encouragement, or if they're in that place of darkness and they and they just you know they feel trapped, I don't know anything. If you were to
1: sit them down and just say, listen, this one piece of advice would help you. Yeah. What would okay. It be? It's going to have to be two pieces that are, are, are both related. Find someone that you can talk to. Mm. Uh, if, if, if you don't have that person right at this moment in time, go out and find someone that you can just sit down, as you and I are doing now yeah. and have done on many occasions. Mm. Find someone that you can just sit down and say, look, this is how it's going for mm. me. That's good. Um, Someone who's not going to criticise you, somebody that's not going to judge you. And I admit it's not always hard to... It's not always easy to find that person. Having said that, the cup of tea that you served me today, I, I, I've got to say, I think you could have tried better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Great.
0: But yeah, that's right. important.
1: Uh, but then also, as I've already said, you've got to maintain that your yeah. personal walk with God. That's huge. That, that has to be number one priority. Without that, you can't continue to give... Um, you need that equipping, that anointing, that, that gifting, but you need that depth of relationship. Mm. You know, in, in as much as I'm saying find somebody that you can talk to, find your God, mm. have that personal relationship with Jesus and protect that above all other things. If the busyness of life, the, the busyness and sometimes great stress of leading a church Gets in the way of your relationship, I, I, I believe it's going to be a downward spiral from then on. You know, you've got to f- find that time, just to you know, even if it means uh, going for a walk, taking a week off, going away on holiday. Just make sure that you get back to that stage where you and Jesus mm. are having coffee together.
0: And the world would call that investing in yourself. Right. So for us as leaders, it's you know yes. let's let's allow God to invest in us. Right. Okay. And we, uh, so I absolutely agree. Yeah. Andrew, I think on that point, that's a great place to end. Excellent. So thank you for your honesty. Uh, thank you for your commitment to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all those miles you drove to Cardiff. And um, yeah, thank you for talking to me today. And you owe me a keg, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little in joke for um, <laughs> I me mean, nothing to you, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> So there we go, Andrew Grimshaw, legend, Kedgeri maker, and all-round Superman, love that guy. But that's it, episode 10, done. Series 1, complete. How are we going to go on? I can hear you all cry. Please don't say it's time to say goodbye. Heck no! Here's what's coming next. Series 2. But series two um, won't be interviews as we've traditionally done them in series one. No, we're currently working on that, putting it together. So they should all be ready for what we're hoping will be series three. Look at this long-term planning. But series two is actually going to be a collection of devotionals, uh, Q and A's, you know, things that have come in over the last ten weeks, um, and subjects and topics that are all tied around some of the things that we've discussed and raised in this series and it should be fun. We're going to record them on podcasts like this, so you can, you know, listen to the audio versions and and stream them on all the platforms that you've done for series one, but also we are go, we're going to video them and be airing them on a YouTube channel that we're just in the process of putting together and setting up, and so details of that, you know, channel names will, will be on my social media pages soon, and each episode will be unlike these interviews will be around about 15 to 20 minutes short bite-sized episodes which will come on a weekly basis and I really hope they're going to add something. In fact what I like about this idea is that it enables us to continue the journey that we've started but gives us the opportunity to go deeper into a few of the important areas that have been raised and talk about those things that have come up during the conversations that we've had. And I'm anticipating that Series 2 will be ready to start on Friday, the 4th of October. So watch this space, keep an eye out, uh, keep subscribed if you're on the podcast platforms. But by Friday, the 4th of October, we should be ready for the first episode of Series 2. And then that just gives me a little opportunity to have a bit of a breather as well as we put all that together. But that's exciting. Okay. Uh, almost lastly, not quite. Listen, if there's anything you would like to ask or inquire about, then please continue to get in touch. Like we said, I think in a previous episode, I, I can't quite remember which one. I've really enjoyed this process of interviewing people. And uh, if you would like to see if I can help you in any way for a project that you're doing or an event, whether that be live or a campaign uh, that you um, that you have that may involve something like this, um, then let's talk and let's see if I can help. Various ones have started to do that already and I think it's quite an exciting door that is opening and one that I hope I can help you if you've got a message to get across or you want to get something about your journey across in that interview format and oh by the way it doesn't have to be solely a Christian thing or a faith-based thing. I've had some people get in touch from the corporate world who are getting in touch and regarding interviews and panel projects that they're doing and, you know things like product launches and corporate uh, brand awareness and, and and things like that so listen let's let's have the conversation that I have with others and and maybe we can find a way in which we can help so you can message me on um, on the email which is honest to godpod at gmail.com that is honest to Godpod at gmail.com the two is not the number two it's to Uh, Or you can message me on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Uh, my Twitter handle is at MarkAPs and my Instagram is at Mark underscore A underscore P's and you can reach out that way. As always now, this whole series now is available, all 10 episodes and you can listen back or catch up on any that you may have missed or just want to go over again as you desire and and also if you're going to go away on a trip or you've got a long work journey or, or whatever, just like you binge watch Peaky Blinders, you can binge listen to Honest to God. Just like reading a book, only better. Well, not better. I love reading, but you know what I mean. Uh, and also, if there's anybody that you think would be great for an interview for upcoming series of Honest to God, then let me know. Leaders um, from around the world, not just in the in, in the Christian world, but you know, uh, maybe in politics, maybe in sport, maybe in business, or whatever. Give me a shout and we can start to put that together. All I need from you is the name and a way to get in touch with them. And it doesn't matter where they are in the world. I will do the rest. All right, then. Series one, check. Give yourself a pat on the back. Series two, in progress. Getting ready to roll on October 4th. So until then, this is me, Mark Pease, saying thank you so much for coming with me on the journey. Let's see where we go. As the journey continues, we'll see you soon on Honest to God. Bye.